0: Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and if you're new with us today, I want to say welcome. So glad that you're with us at our previous service. I was able to say hi to some people. This was their first Sunday here, so welcome. If you're here with us at Manhattan Beach, if you're joining us from our Torrance campus, we're connected live right now, so great to be with you. If you're new there, so great, so happy about that. And then if you're watching online, thanks for joining us. We're in this series called Faith Under Construction, And the idea behind this series is that sometimes we think of faith or our belief system as something that is concrete. You either have it or you don't. But that's not actually how Jesus talked about faith. Jesus described faith as something that is built, a lot like building a house. And there are seasons where that building is going well, and then there are seasons where maybe you're having some setbacks. There are times where we build our faith and then we have to deconstruct certain things about our faith because we realize the things that we built are not actually healthy or good or true. And so wherever you're at in building or rebuilding or deconstructing and reconstructing your faith, that's what this series is all about, what we're doing is we're looking at the teachings of Jesus and we're looking at the lives of Jesus' followers to see how this is done. And it's less about what to believe. It's more about who are we as we are building this faith and how do we go about doing that. Now, today is the fourth and final message in our series. So if you missed any of these messages, you can go to our website and on our homepage, if you go over here to watch, you can scroll down and click messages and that'll take you to our messages. You can also check out our YouTube channel where we have those messages online. Each week, we've talked about an idea or a concept that can help us think about building or rebuilding our faith, and today, the idea we're going to look at is teamwork. We can do more as a team than we can doing things individually. This past weekend, we, I experienced that by being part of our church's Feed My, Children, uh, Feed My Starving Children packing event. So every year we do a big packing event. We had over 900 volunteers at our Torrance campus and we packed hundreds and thousands of meals for hungry children around the world. And that was done because we're working as a team. It's that teamwork that's so important. Let me tell you a, a story about some teamwork in my life related to a building project. So back in 2004, my wife and I were able to buy our our first home. Like the first time we were living in an apartment, we said we get to we can buy a home. We never thought we'd be able to do that in Southern California, but we were surprised by some inheritance money that came in from a relative. We said rather than spend it other ways, let's try to find a house that we can put a down payment on. Well, we couldn't afford a lot, so we we ended up finding a townhouse that was being auctioned in court. That's a thing, apparently. And so here was the rub though. We could only look at the house for one hour and then place a bid. So it was a real quick turnaround. So we were like, okay, let's get we we got some people together. We got somebody that knew plumbing and electrical and framing and we got somebody that knew finances and our realtor and a couple other people that had done a lot of projects. We said, look, we got one hour to look at this place. Let's check it out to see whether or not we can do it. And I'm so glad we brought all of them because this is what we found. Here's one picture. This is my son. This looks like a scene from a horror movie. So this is my son in the dining room. And then here's some other shots of the place. So there was like no flooring. It was just a rotted subfloor in the bathroom. Metallic wallpaper. It was just, it was musty and old and grimy. The color scheme was... uh, Uh, dysentery and tetanus is it was kind of a combination and I remember talking to the realtor I said this place doesn't look like it's been worked on since the 60s or 70s and the guy was like I agree the problem is this place was built in the 80s so it was really a it was a bad place but you know we looked around everybody else went hey I think a lot of this stuff is cosmetic and there's some stuff we need to work on but it's possible the biggest part my wife was like I can work with this we put a bid in, and we got the place. Now, I don't have any really good after photos to show you, but that's not really the point, because what we ended up doing is we went in to fix the place, and we didn't do it alone. We found another seven or eight people, uh, friends that were connected through church at the time, and I was like, Hey, can you guys come in? And so this is some shots of, of some of the people that came in. Some of you recognize some of these people. Uh, that's me, the emaciated one standing right there. And so we put in hardwood floors. We put in tile work. We painted. We did all the work ourselves. But we had a group of people that came in and did it. We were operating like a team. It reminded me of the, uh, the idea of uh, Amish barn raising. You know, in the Amish Christian community... If they're like, hey, we need a barn, then everybody in the community says, okay, let's get some food together, let's get the families together, let's build a barn, and they do it through teamwork. We live in a very individualistic society. We are raised to be individuals, we focus on ourselves, we keep things private. If we want to accomplish something, we pursue it individually. This also affects how we look at faith. If we're growing our faith, we tend to do it privately. If we're struggling in our faith, we often do it privately. We even keep, well, that's your religious beliefs, that's your faith, this is my faith, this is what I believe. But Jesus and his followers, when it came to faith, it was a group thing. It was teamwork, And that's what we're talking about today. Here's the main idea. If we're going to build our faith, we can build our faith as a team. I want to share with you a story in the New Testament of the Bible that illustrates this in a way. It comes from this book in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 12. Now, Acts is actually short for the title Acts of the Apostles. And this book is the fifth book in the New Testament. And what it records is some of the most significant historical stories of what happened in the lives of Christians within the first 30 years of the Christian faith. And it is an amazing read. If you have never read the New Testament book, the Acts of the Apostles, or maybe you haven't read it in a while, I want to encourage you to read it because it is gripping, and exciting, and inspiring. And if you read it in one sitting, it's shorter than a Christopher Nolan movie. It's only two hours. If you just sit down and read through the whole thing, it is really, really great. What we're gonna read today is one of three prison breaks in the book of Acts. So Christians escape prison in three times in, recorded in the book of Acts, and this is one of them. And this particular one, a local leader called a tetrarch in first century Jerusalem, his name's Herod, he arrests Peter, one of Jesus's main disciples. So Jesus has died, rose again, and he sends out his followers to tell the good news and the miraculous power that's available to people, and that gets him in trouble with the government. So Herod arrests Peter and puts him in jail. And that's where we pick up this story. Now, what I love about this story is that not only there's so many little details that it's very clear, this really happened, but there's also some kind of lighthearted, maybe even kind of humorous ways that I think Peter is explaining this story to the person that wrote Acts. And I'll point out some of those as we go along, and then we'll look at a couple of ways that this can help us see what it's like to build our faith as a team here's how it starts. He, Herod, imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers others stood guard at the prison gate. Now let's just stop here. Like if you notice there's a lot a lot of detail about how much security Peter was under. When I first read that I was like, do people just break out of prison all the time? They need so many guards? I actually think what happens is Jesus in a short time right before this had been placed in a tomb deceased And they put Roman guards out in front, and Jesus still got up from the dead and got out without the guards seeing. So I think they're thinking, if Jesus got past Roman guards while he was dead and then rose from the dead, let's guard Peter, because Peter was Jesus' right-hand man, and another miracle might take place. So they got all these guards, and he's locked up to guards, and you know what? A miracle does happen. It says, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, "Quick, get up." So kind of a weird mention like struck him on the side. I was like, "Why do you have to punch Peter?" And I was thinking about this like, is he that sound of a sleeper that you're like, "Get up," you know? And then I thought, maybe, I don't know, in the spiritual realm, is the thickness between the spiritual realm and the physical realm, is it so thick that the angel has to like punch him? And so I looked up, and this was originally written in the Greek language, and the language is that he punched him hard. It was like a body blow, like the angel's like, boom, 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 you know, like body blow, body blow. Well, it worked. Because he got up, he said, and the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. So he puts on his sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. I also thought this was interesting. It's like, hey, put on your sandals. And he puts on his sandals, and and then the angel's like, Now put on your coat. And I was thinking, is he like a mom? Like, come on, we're we're leaving. And you're like, why is Peter so confused? Well, we read in the next verse why the angel had to walk him through all these steps. All the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Like, oh, this angel's going to get me to leave. I have to put on my clothes because I'm going to leave the jail. They passed the first and the second guard posts, Came to the iron gate to the city. So they passed the first. Why didn't the guard see? Did the angel like knock them out too? Or were they just asleep? And then the city gate opened for them all by itself. So they passed through, started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Mission accomplished. So now Peter is out on the street, And he's just been broken out of jail by an angel. He's standing in the middle of the street. And then he realizes, well, this isn't a vision. This really happened. It says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So he's out there. You can imagine, like, I always think those old-timey movies where the where the prison has the spotlight going around on the street. He's probably standing in the street going, i got to get out of here. I just broke out of prison. I'm going to go to where my friends are. And he goes to this house. He knocks at the door in the gate. So there's like uh, the house, and then there's a courtyard, and then there's a gate at the street. right? So he's knocking on that gate. And a servant girl named Rhoda came out to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody, Peter's standing at the door. So Peter's like, I just broke out of prison. I'm like, hey, Rhoda, it's me, Peter, let me in. She's like, I can't believe it, I'll be right back. She runs out of the way. He's like looking around like, would you let me in the door? She goes in and what do they think? They say, you're out of your mind. She's like, no, 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 it's really Peter. She insisted. They say, go back to it real quick. Their response was, it must be his angel. Now, what do they mean by that? Well, in first century Judaism, there was some that had the belief that a person's guardian angel looked just like them. So they might have been thinking, oh, it's his guardian angel here. We're praying, and his guardian angel shows up. Some think that maybe. The people that were praying assumed he had gotten executed, and this was his ghost standing at the door. They're like, whatever the case is, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. It's an angel. It says, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Again, he's like, I just escaped from jail. Would you let me? They're all debating inside the house, and he's still looking around, let me in the house. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place, probably a Christian safe house. You know, the, the, the Mary's house was right in the city. So if, they were, if the government was looking to find Peter, they would probably go to the local Christian house's and so he's like, okay, I checked in, I told you guys, now i got to get out of here, i got to go somewhere else. What does this story illustrate to us about what it means to build our faith as a team? Well, let's a couple of ways. Let me go back to the first part of the story. Here's what it says. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Peter wasn't by himself. He wasn't on his own. It wasn't a solo faith. When Peter was in prison, there were a group of people that he was connected with that loved him, that cared for him, that prayed for him. I imagine when Peter went to prison, he's like, hey, pray that I would get out of here. And there were people there. He wasn't thinking, oh, I hope there's people praying for me. No, I know there are people praying for me. In fact, they're probably gathered right now at Mary. Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, and they're praying for me. He had a group of people. We need a group of people that we are connected with. In the same way that I invite people over to help me fix up my house, we need to invite people into our lives and be connected in other people's lives so we can do our faith as a team. And that's the first way that we can do it. Gather a support group and tell them your Faith building goals. Faith is something we do as a community. And so, what we do is we gather with each other and we say, Here is what God is doing in my life. Would you help me with this? Here's something I'm facing. Would you pray for me? What are you going through? How can I pray for you? We did this in our, you know, we have a group that meets in our home on Wednesday nights. And just four weeks ago on Easter, We got together and we said, hey, what are your goals in your faith? I don't really do New Year's resolutions in January. I do kind of faith goals around Easter. I figured Jesus rose from the dead and there's that spiritual power available. Great. How do I tap into that for my faith goal? So we went around. Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I would like to accomplish. Here's what I would like to experience. And then we come together and we encourage and support and connect with each other. Do you have a group? Do you have your people? Are you part of a group where you can say, here's the direction I'm moving? That's what God wants for you. In fact, here's an action step for you. Join a group, or if you're in a group, open up to your group about your faith challenges. If you don't have a group, We would love to help you get connected. Here's a QR code. You could scan this QR code. It'll send you to our our website and help you begin taking the step. Maybe it's a group that meets in a home for prayer and Bible reading. Maybe it's a service group. We have a lot of ways to serve. A lot of people get to know people by serving together. It could be a care group, some specific issue you're facing in your life and connect with other people. This is really important because we want to do faith as a team. And maybe you grew up kind of being taught faith is something that is very private to you. It's between you and God, and no one else is concerned. I mean, there is a there is a part of which our faith is between us and God, but it's really something to be shared, and we can accomplish so much more together. And it's also risky. Maybe some of you have been in places or in groups where you have shared and opened up, and and maybe it wasn't a positive experience. I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. I think earlier in my faith, I even said things in group settings that made it more difficult for people to feel safe and to grow in their faith. That's normal and natural that happens. If you've experienced a time where you're like, that was not a positive experience, what would it be like to try again? Being in that group setting helps us, and it helps us to take the next step In our faith. Let's go back to the story and look at one more part of this that can help us to see faith as a team. One, being in a group. Here's the second part. When Peter, when they finally let Peter in the house, you know, um, he motioned for them to quiet down. Interesting, as I was looking this up in that original language, it says he motioned to them with his hands. That was interesting. So he was either like, shh, like he was like, Quiet. They were all, hey, Peter's here. And they were like, "Oh, the neighbors are going to find out, and then they're going to call Herod, and then I'm going to get arrested again. He was either like, shh, or he was like, shh. Probably wasn't like this. He was about to get executed. He probably didn't do that motion. That would have been a good one. But what did he do? He told how the Lord had led him out of prison, and then he said, tell James and the other brothers what happened. James, when you read the book of Acts, you see that James was kind of the leader of the Christian movement in the Jerusalem area. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and so he kind of provided a lot of leadership. Here's the point. When Peter got out of jail, he wasn't like, well, God did something special in my life, and that's between me and God. He was like, no, I'm going to go tell people what happened. And then he met with his group, and he's like, guess what happened? And then he wasn't like, Let's keep that just in the group. It's like, no, no, God did something great in my life. I'm going to tell you, and I want you to go tell other people. That's part of the experience of being in a group and doing faith as a team is that our stories and other people's stories help build us up and help us provide context for what we're going through. And that's the second way that we can build faith as a team. Share your challenges and successes to help others. Your faith is not only just about you and God. It's about all of us together. And when we can share both our challenges and our successes with each other, we can find greater community and it helps us grow in our faith. Ideally, We find people in our group who are maybe a little bit further in their faith and then maybe others that are just new to faith. And we get to impact and influence each other. When Rhoda came in and said, guess what? Peter is right outside. Do you remember their response? They said, you're out of your mind. What's surprising is they had been praying for Peter for his rescue. Then when the prayer answered, they were like, well, it certainly couldn't have been answered. They were, they were surprised that it worked. Now, I have to admit, I've been an, embarrassing. I had the same instance happen to me uh, just last week. We have our group on Wednesday night, and someone in our group has very high levels of anxiety when they travel, when they're flying on a plane. And this person said, I have to go out across the United States. I'm going to be flying. Every time I fly, I have anxiety. I have panic attacks. I'm sweating the whole time. It just, it takes me days to recover. It's just a really, really difficult situation. Would you pray for me? And we were like, yeah, we'll pray for you. And we had different ideas. We were like, yeah, we'll pray that God will be with you and God will help you. And when you're having that panic attack, that you can invite God into that panic attack and that you would feel God's love and presence no matter what you're feeling. But someone had the great idea of saying, what would you like us to pray for? Now, that's a great question. Let me give you just a little tip on when praying for someone or when you ask for prayer for somebody. When somebody says, would you pray for me? Here's what you should do. You should say, how can I pray for you? And then you should pray about that thing. See, sometimes we don't do that. Hey, can you pray for me? Yeah. And then we just start making stuff up. (laughs) I've seen this even when we say, hey, could you pray for me about this? Sure. And then the person prays, and we're praying about something the person didn't even say. A few weeks ago, somebody came up to me and said, can you pray for me about this? And I said, yes. How would you like me to pray? And they said, I want you to pray about this, this, and this. You know what I did? I prayed about this, this, and this. Afterwards, they were like, That was an amazing prayer. I said, of course, because I just prayed what you wanted me to pray. I mean, I did what you asked, of course. You know, I'm I'm just doing it for you, right? That's how we should be praying for each other. So we're in this group on Wednesday night. Hey, how can we pray for you with your anxiety going on this trip? This person said, you can pray that I will have absolutely no anxiety, that for the first time in my life, it will be even a pleasurable experience flying on the plane. We're like, okay. So we prayed. She came back the next week. She was like, it worked. I had no problems. And you know what our response was? Really? I mean, we're like, (laughs) you're out of your mind. What are you talking about? When we're together as a group, God is in that setting, and then we can say, here's what I'm really dealing with. Here's what I'm dealing with. And then we can pray for each other. We can pray that our marriages are healed, that that couple will recover from adultery, that that child will be adopted, that that person in our group will get sober. That that, that, that business deal will come through and that the person's dis- business won't be decimated. Or when that person experiences uh, sickness in their body, we want to pray for healing. When we come together, God has a way of being present among us and our shared faith can make our faith building stronger and stronger. And then what we do is when those things happen, we remember them. We need to remember them. In fact, here's an action step for you. Keep a journal of your journey and be ready to share what you've experienced. When when something powerful and beautiful happens in your life, write it down. When, When you're experiencing a faith challenge, document it, even if it's not resolved, because what happens is not only will you read that stuff later, but you'll be able to say, boy, I've been in a similar point. Here's what I was feeling at the time. Or, you know, God worked in my life in a very beautiful way. Here's a story about it. Or you're in a group and you share something and somebody goes, boy, that reminds me of something similar in my life. Here's what it, and it's not just the successes like, hang in there, here's the good news. It's The person says, I've been in a really bad place in my faith lately. And you go, Yeah, I've been there too. Here's what I was feeling. Not even trying to fix it, but just being with each other where we have those shared stories to draw from. I've done this in different ways I've journaled stuff, I keep uh, uh, notes in my phone. Somebody asked me the other day, boy, you, you and Alex and the other people on the team, you share so many stories in your, in your sermons. They said, are they all real? I was like, yes, they're all real. Um, but they were like, how do you have so many stories? I said, because I keep track of everything. Throughout the day, wow, this was so great today. Write it down. Wow, here's something I was struggling with. Write it down. So you've got all this. Oh, here's something that happened in somebody else's life. Write it down. I've done it in different ways over the years. One way that my wife and I did it for a while. This is this is called our our blessing jar. So we had this for the first two decades of our marriage, and it's a a red lobster jar. This is how it started actually. Um, we went to my wife went to Red Lobster. She was like it was a really rough week. She's like I need lobster right so. She's going to have lobster. She's like, I can't. I, this is probably not a good idea. I can't afford to buy some lobster, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm not telling you to buy things you can't afford. That's not the point of the story. So she goes in, and she orders the food. and At the end, she's like, now i got to pay for it. I'm going to put it on the credit card. They come in. They say, you're our 100th cu- customer for a very special thing. The meal is free. And here, here's a jar. I'm like, okay. So she brought it home. I was like, man, that's a blessing. As you know what happened to me today, I got this thing. She was like, oh my gosh, what? Showed her a part of it, put it right in there. Hey, this person blessed us with this. Great, put it in there. Hey, we got an opportunity to do this. Put it in there. What about the bad situations? Down here, there's a little piece of reflector from when I crashed our car over a decade ago. Crashed our car, survived, walked away from the accident. Picked up a little piece of reflective glass, put it in the jar. It's part of the blessing bar. We leave this, we left this on our piano for two decades. People come in and say, what's that? I'd love to tell you about it. Here's some great things that happen. Here's some obstacles we face. Here's some things we went through. The goal of building, when we're building our faith, we need to have our stories of successes and challenges and then be in an environment where we can share those with each other. That's why we do stories every week around here. Here's one of my favorite Bible verses from the Psalms. It's it's written out in poetic form because it's poetry. It says, Oh God, we have heard it with our own ears, our ancestors have told us of all you did in their day in days long ago right here the the writer of this is saying you know what helped me get through things i heard other people's stories of how you worked in their life just this last week i had the chance to visit a couple they've been married for 62 years sat in their home i said tell me how you met tell me what the secret is to 62 years of marriage." Tell me about some of the ups and downs. I sat for an hour and I listened to their stories and I walked out of there going, I have an opportunity to see life from a different perspective because I've been part of a group here and they're sharing their stories with me. I was able to leave that place and they had an opportunity to impact a young man's life like me because they shared their stories. The Christian faith is not a solo sport, it's a team sport. And if we're going to build rebuild, deconstruct, and reconstruct our faith through the challenges as well as the wonderful opportunities we have, we should do it together. Here's our main idea for today. We can build our faith as a team two ways. Gather a support group and tell them your faith-building goals, and second, share your challenges and successes to help others. That's what faith under construction is all about. I'm going to wrap up today and just say, if this series has been helpful to you, we want to keep going with the value of it. We want to get you connected with people. We want to help you serve, find ways, of whatever you're dealing with in life, we want to continue to help you build your faith. Check out our messages online, and if we can help you in a specific way, especially if you're in one of those seasons of deconstruction, We would love to help you navigate that in a way where you can find a faith that is going to be strong and long lasting. Next week is Mother's Day, so we're going to celebrate moms, and uh, we're going to be talking about God's um, plan for the spiritual life. What are the basic elements that God wants in our lives? For our spirituality, and it'll be a great Sunday. And then the following week, we're starting a five-week series that I'm really excited about. I've been wanting to do this for years. We're calling it Lenses. And what we're going to be talking about is how we can understand God, each other, and God's plans for our lives better by understanding the genres of the Bible. See, the Bible is one story, but it's told through law and historical stories, and poetry, and prophecy, and letters, and gospels. And so as we understand what kind of genre of the Bible we're reading, we can have clearer vision about who God is, and we can actually learn a lot about each other in the process. Let's all stand. We're going to close our service for today. If there's something going on that you would like prayer for, we're going to have our prayer team right down here next to the cross, here at Manhattan Beach, and the cross is right over here at our Torrance campus. You can see it over there. And if we can also help you get connected in some way, you can head outside to our connections area. We have some great volunteers out there who are waiting to get to know you and and help you connect with each other and with other people. Let me pray for us in closing. closing. Thank you, God. Thank you so much for the miraculous work that you can do in our lives. And thank you that we don't have to do this alone. In fact, not only do we not have to do it alone, you don't want us to do it alone. Help us to overcome, God, whatever barrier is in our way that keeps us closed up, private, individual, and help us see the, the power and the love and the transformation that can come through doing faith as a team. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. See you next week.